number three. This is week number three of our series called Come Holy Spirit. And uh, we are actually beginning, um, or today, uh, next week, we will bring this series to a close um, and, and talking more specifically next week uh, about the Holy Spirit's role in equipping us and empowering us to make Christ known. Today, what we're going to focus on this morning is, is really the role of the Holy Spirit in our life as the one who, who makes us more like Christ. How many, just by an upraised hand, would say with me, I want to be more like Christ? I pray and I hope every hand goes up in this room, um, and even if you didn't raise your hand, I hope and pray in your heart and in your mind, uh, that is your desire, because that should be, that should be the desire of every, every believer, every follower of, a, of, of Christ to be more like him. Um, I don't know if any of you know, some of you may not know the name uh, Angelo Dundee. Anybody know the name Angelo Dundee? Okay, I've got one, maybe two people. Uh, but you've undoubtedly uh, have heard of a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali. How many know Muhammad Ali? Okay, figured that would be the case. He was probably and, and is the most famous professional boxer of all time. For more than two decades, Angelo Dundee was actually in Muhammad Ali's corner, literally. He was Ali's corner man. He's the one who made Ali float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. He also, Dundee also trained 15 other world boxing champions. You don't often hear about Dundee. You hear about Muhammad Ali. You hear about other boxers. But, but he is the one that trained 15 other world boxing champions. Angelo Dundee described his job as a corner man in this way. Quote, when you're working with a fighter, you're a surgeon, you're an engineer, and you're a psychologist. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have something even better than a surgeon, engineer, psychologist in our corner. We have the Holy Spirit. Let me even take it one step further and actually say this morning that he is actually more, the Holy Spirit is, is more than just in our corner. As followers of Jesus Christ, we know, and I've said the last two weeks, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. God, the Holy Spirit, for the Christ follower, dwells inside of our life. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. How many are thankful that the Spirit of God lives inside of us? And so we are, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the incredible privilege to have the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of our hearts and our lives. He's not just in our corner like a, a corner man. He's not some surgeon, uh, engineer, psychologist, but we have God, the Holy Spirit, as followers of Jesus Christ dwelling inside of our hearts and lives. That should bring encouragement and strength to us this morning. Now, last week, we examined more specifically how the Spirit is the one who, who brings us to Christ. We talked about the Holy Spirit's role in, in tugging at our hearts and drawing us to Him. Today, though, we're gonna explore more specifically how the Spirit is the one who makes us like Christ. Now, I've already referred to this or made reference to this, but our, our mission statement here at Glad Tidings Church really lines up with this quite well. And that is, our mission is to develop biblically sound believers who reflect the character of Christ. Our desire 
for every person that comes and worships with us, that makes this church their home church. We want, we want you to be biblically sound. We want you to know scripture. We want you to, to, to know the truth of God's word intellectually, but we also want you not just to, to know it up here and live differently the rest of the week. We want this word to change and transform how we live, how we interact with others. We wanna make certain that not only are we biblically sound, but that we are reflecting the character of Jesus Christ the Son of God. Now, now, Paul even said very specifically in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says that we are to have what? The mind or the attitude of Christ Jesus. And even Jesus said himself, he said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, do I have any perfect people? Have we arrived yet at that spot? I didn't think so. No one, okay, no one's lying. So, so we're at least moving in the right, right direction when it comes to perfection. But, but our vision statement, our mission, statement, we want to reflect the character of Christ. Paul says we are to have the mind, we are to have the attitude of Christ, and Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So how, how, do, we, how do we obtain that perfection? How do we reflect the character of Christ? How are we, as believers and followers of Christ, how are we to have the mind and the attitude of Christ? We do so by relying on the one who's not just in our corner, but the one who lives inside of us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us and he is the one. He is the one that will make us more like him. He is the one that will help us to better reflect the character of Christ. He is the one that will help us to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. By relying on the spirit, the one that lives inside of us. I wanna just unpack that for us by looking at these three scriptures and three things I want to share with you real briefly this morning. Number one, the Spirit is the one who continuously transforms us into the image of Christ. I want to make certain that we get this right this morning. It's not your pastor that transforms you into the image. I don't have that kind of power or ability, all right? It's not, (laughs) neither do I want it. It's not the pastor. It's not your spouse. It's not some preacher on the radio or TV. It is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God himself, who continuously, that's key, we're gonna talk about that, who continuously transforms us into the image of Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter three. We're gonna camp out here for just a few moments. Paul wrote these words. He said, and we all with unveiled face, I want you to hold on to this phrase here, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me, let me explain what Paul is saying. I don't have time to go into all the details of what Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and, and, and really to do that justice, we would need to spend time in Exodus as well and talk about Moses. But, but I wanna just try to unpack really briefly what Paul is saying. First of all, we know this from the scripture and that is this transformation that Paul talks about It requires daily submission to the Spirit of God. Transformation, to to be transformed into the image of Christ, it requires for you, for me, and any person that desires that transformation, it requires daily submission. Daily, let me, everyone say that with me, all right? Daily, good. Daily submission to the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. Now, Paul, in this, in this uh, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you read chapter 2, chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, he, he refers to veiled faces. 
And we see here in chapter 3, verse 18, he uses this imagery of veiled faces. But when we turn to Christ, that veil is removed and we can see him face to face. Now let me go a little bit further. Yet sin, when sin is still reigning in our life, our eyes are still veiled, which is why we talked about last week. We need the Spirit to, to convict us. Um, how many believe we need the Spirit of God to convict us, not just of sin, but to convict us of the truth of God's Word? And we need the Spirit to cleanse us so we can see Him and be transformed into His image. Now, how is this done? So Paul uses this phrase. He speaks of beholding the glory of the Lord. What is Paul talking about? Beholding, not reflecting. I want you to hear me. Beholding, gazing upon, not reflecting as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Paul is not, listen to this, Paul is not charging his audience to reflect the glory in order to be transformed. What he is doing, he is saying, is I want you to behold the glory of the Lord until you are transformed. Continue to gaze up on Christ. And as you gaze upon him, as you behold his glory, the transformation will begin to take place. Let me try to, to, to simplify that for us this morning. Um, some of us may be familiar with the song, uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I believe this song captures it beautifully um, how this beholding the glory of the Lord and the transformation really, really works. Listen to, to what the, the song lyrics say. Turn your eyes up on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It is as we behold the glory of the Lord, as we turn our eyes to Jesus, and as we not just reflect his glory and then we're transformed, we need to behold his glory. We need to turn our face toward him. And as we do, as we behold the glory of the Lord, then transformation will begin to take place. We will be changed. Paul will later say, we'll talk about it here in just a minute, will be changed from glory to glory. Um, perhaps some of you remember Nathaniel Hawthorne's story about the great stone face. There's a little lad that lived in a village where there was a mountain with a rock formation which they called the great stone face. People had a legend that someday someone would come to the village who would look like that great stone face. He would do wonderful things for the village and be a means of great blessing. The story really took hold of the lad during his lifetime, he would gaze at the great stone face every opportunity that he had. And he would dream of the time someone looking like the great stone face would come into the village. Years passed as time went by and he became a young man and then an old man. And he was tottering down the street one day when someone looked up and saw him coming and they shouted, quote, he has come. The one who looks like the great stone face is here. And this man had looked at the great stone face for so long that now he bore its image. Listen to me. One writer said, he said, do you want to be Christ-like? Then spend time looking at Jesus. Turn your eyes toward Jesus. Turn your eyes toward him. Behold the glory of the Lord. Do you want to be holy? The writer said, he said, then behold 
him. If our desire is to reflect the image of Jesus Christ, if we, wanna, if we want to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect, we can't look to other people, other resources, other things. We have to behold the glory of the Lord. We have to turn our eyes toward Jesus. And, and, and to be honest, let me just simplify it a little bit more. How can we reflect the character of someone that we don't know? I can't, I can't bear an image of somebody I've never met or never seen with my face. And the same is true when it comes to reflecting the character of Christ. If I don't know Christ, if I don't know about his character, if I don't know that, that God is love and compassionate, that he's holy, that he's justice, that he's righteous, if I don't know about his character, I can't certainly reflect the character of someone I don't know. So if I want to truly bear the image of Christ, if I want to reflect him, to a world that needs to see Christ, I need to know the one I want to reflect. So again, the writer says, do you want to be Christ-like? Then spend time looking at Jesus. Let's not spend all of our time looking other places, hoping that, that maybe just by accident, we will somehow reflect the character of Christ. The only way we can do that is by looking and beholding his glory. Now, this transformation, um, this is key. It's an ongoing process, <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that it is ongoing. Um, you know, there are moments where we probably wish it was instantaneous and we're done and we've, you know, we've arrived, but the reality is that's not the case. It is an ongoing process, and I think um, if we were to have any conversation with any person in this room um, or we've known anybody for any length of time, I think we would all know and be thankful that this transformation is an ongoing process. And the reality is we're all at a different place in that process. Transformation speaks of taking on a different form or a different appearance. Speaks of taking on a Christ-like form. This taking on a different appearance doesn't just happen overnight. You don't uh, read, you know, a passage of scripture on Friday night, put this under your pillow, lay on it all night, sleep for eight hours and wake up and all of a sudden you've arrived and you are fully and completely transformed. That's not how it works. It is an ongoing process and it doesn't just happen overnight. Paul actually uses what's very interesting in our text again, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 18, Paul actually uses the present tense of the verb uh, being transformed. He says, you are, you are being transformed. That, that implies that it is an ongoing process. You haven't arrived yet. You are still being uh, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so he is speaking of a constant and ongoing process that is taking place, that is forming us and shaping us to reflect the image of Jesus. This transformation is not a one-shot affair. Paul speaks of being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Which actually, if you dive a little bit deeper into the text, being changed from glory to glory, it really speaks of steady growth. That's really how things work, even in our culture today. I mean, when we're born an infant, it's not like the next day I'm a, a full-grown, mature adult. There is a process that occurs. We go through those stages. And the same is true even in our spiritual walk with Christ. When we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, we, we may be infants in the Lord, but my hope and my prayer is that as we continue to look upon the face of Jesus, that we would continue to be changed and transformed so that, so that when, you know, if I gave my heart to 
to Christ in, in 2020, I hope and pray that in 2025, I'm a little bit further along than I was when I first gave my heart to him because I want to be changed from glory to glory. I, wanna, I want this steady growth to incur, to occur in me so I can better reflect his image. What's interesting, I didn't really get into the details of the veil, but in, in Exodus, um, this was this, and I don't have time to go into all of this, but Moses, when he goes before the presence of the Lord, Lord, um, and then he comes out, he has a veil on his face, but, but the glory that shined was only temporary. So this actually denotes steady growth as compared to the short-lived glory of Moses' face. Let me, let me give you an example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Listen to what Paul says. This is before we got to our text. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, listen, which was being brought to an end. And so when he talks about being changed from glory to glory, it implies this steady ongoing growth that occurs unlike this glory that would eventually fade from the face of Moses. This process of transformation and this is key. This process of transformation for the believer is not complete until we are in God's eternal presence. So I want us all to know here today, when I asked if anybody is perfect, if anyone ever raises their hand, they're lying to you, all right? We are not perfect. We are not perfect until we meet him face to face. But we should be continually changed we should allow the work of the Spirit to change us and transform us so that we can better each day reflect the character of His Son, Jesus Christ. John wrote these words, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, Christ appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. This process of transformation, it's not complete until we are in the eternal presence of God. But in the meantime, it is still a process that we need to submit to and allow the Spirit to change us, to mold us, to shape us to the image of Jesus Christ. There is an old hymn called We Shall Be Like Him. I just want to read, and the lyrics will be up on the screen. Listen to these words captures beautifully that this process, that it is a process that's not complete until we see him. We shall be like him when he shall come in glory, like him forever through riches of his grace. Oh, what assurance to all God's children given. We shall be like him when we see his face. We shall be like him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse two, we shall be like him, however rough our journey Light from his promise shall brighten every place. Like our Redeemer, our hearts sing hallelujah. We shall be like him when we see his face. And finally, verse three, we shall be like him. The veil will soon be lifted. Then we shall praise him for all his love and grace. No more the earthly, but glory grand, eternal. We shall be like him when we see his face. I don't know about you, but I am excited about one day seeing him face to face, knowing that no matter where I'm at, no matter where you're at in that process of transformation, the moment that you and I see him face to face, perfection occurs. We shall be like him when we see him face to face. We have to allow the Spirit of God to change us steadily from glory to glory so that we can daily reflect the image of Jesus Christ. This process of transformation 
as Christ works in us, as the Holy Spirit begins to rid out those things in our life that don't line up with his character, this process of transformation actually allows us as believers to better fulfill our purpose as God's creation. Folks, we can better function as image bearers of God here on earth if we allow the Spirit of God to change us and transform us. It's one of our, one of our purposes is to, to, I mean, God created us in, him, in his image, in his likeness. We are, we are to bear the image of Christ to the world that we are in. Paul talks about us being ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are to reflect the glory of Christ here on earth. We want Christ to be shown through our lives, through our words, and through our actions. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.15, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. As we allow the Spirit of God to work in our hearts and change us, we can more accurately and powerfully glorify God to a lost world. The, the shorter Westminster Catechism, the very first line says, what is the chief end of man? Uh, of man? And the answer to that question is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What does it mean to glorify God or, or to magnify him? We all know what a magnifying glass does, right? It makes something bigger. It makes something larger. And so as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as the spirit begins to work in us and change us and mold us into the image of Jesus Christ, we are to make Christ bigger. We are to magnify him. We are to glorify him. And so we can better fulfill that purpose. What God has called us to do if we allow the spirit of God to work in our hearts and lives. We, we can be magnifiers of Jesus Christ. We, we can reflect his character in ways than we better, we've ever been able to do. Number three, we can live as Christians, which just simply means little Christs in this world. Number two, the Spirit is the one who gives us a new way of thinking that produces a godly way of living. Let me just give this to you quickly this morning. Look at Ephesians, the other text I mentioned too. Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24 says, But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Romans chapter 1 verses 1 through uh, verses 1 through 20 or excuse me Romans 1 verses 21 through 23 yes they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like as a result their minds became dark and confused Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Let me explain. Paul is teaching in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 4, he is teaching the believers that they must not and cannot walk in this manner. And the manner that he describes is darkness, confusion, futility of the mind. And instead, he says that to them because he says the truth, he's speaking to, to the believers in Ephesus, the truth has come to you. You've received the truth of God's word. And because of that, you can no longer walk in your old ways, the ways that, that consisted of darkness and confusion and futility of the mind, as Paul describes here in Romans chapter one. You can no longer, Paul says, walk in your old ways. Instead, you need to walk in the truth that you have received and that has come to you. You need to walk as a new creation or new creature in Christ. And if this truth has begun a transformation in you, then there are certain implications that you must adhere to. Walking with Christ 
want you to hear this this morning. Walking with Christ should look different than our walk with the world. Walking with Christ and serving him should look different than our walk with the world. Fellowship with Christ demands an inner renewal that is initiated and completed by the Spirit of God living in us. That's why Paul urges the believers to let the Spirit renew their minds, which implies that they must give permission to or be open to the Spirit working in them. The renewing of the mind, folks, will always result in a new way of living. I think we know this to be true. What I think will always impact what I do. It will impact every, every decision I make, every choice I make. It will impact how I see other people. It will impact how I relate with whatever I, however I think. If I, if I think biblically, it's a better chance that I'm going to live and act in a biblical manner that is consistent with God's word. Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the pattern and the customs or the behaviors of this world. What is, Paul says, let God transform you into a new person by, the, by changing the way you think. Um, other translations um, say don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Because what I think or how I think will impact how I live and how I see others. Once again, this renewing of our minds after the mind of Christ, it is ongoing Again, he uses the, the present tense of that verb. It's an ongoing process. It's not just one day our mind is renewed and now we can move forward and not have to worry about it any longer. It is an ongoing process. And again, how do we renew our minds? We renew our minds by filling ourselves with the word of God, the truth of God's word, and allowing that word to change how we think, how we respond uh, to others. Uh, Kenneth Bowles said this, the renovating of one's life is not an instantaneous thing, but a project that is still in progress. People who think biblically have the tools necessary to live Christ-like lives. That's why, folks, that's why our mission is to develop biblically sound believers. We want you to know the truth. We want you to think correctly about God's word so that will affect how we live so we can better reflect the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. A new way of thinking leads to a new way of living and this is the work of the Spirit of God. Finally, number three. I'm giving you a lot this morning, so um, if, you, uh, if, if you forget something and you need to be reminded, let me know. I'll give you my notes. That's fine, too. Um, number three, the Spirit is the one who produces in us a godly character. It's the Spirit who produces in me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's not, again, it's not me. It's not your pastor. It's not your spouse, not your children. They might test all those things. Uh, certainly our children test patience and our world tests self-control, but it's the spirit who produces in us that godly character. Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. No law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. And I love this last phrase, in every part of our lives. Folks, godly character is only possible when we allow the Spirit, not the sinful nature, that is key. Godly character is only possible when we allow 
the spirits, not the sinful nature, to be our guide. It's a question I would pose for all of us this morning. Who are we allowing to guide our lives? Is it our sinful nature? Because with our sinful nature, it's all kinds of evil desires, lust and cravings, things that don't line up with God's character. Or is it the Spirit of God, the one who produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Who are we allowing to guide our lives? I pray and I hope it's the guy that's in our corner. I pray and hope it's the one that lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit, the one that raised, same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Um, I don't have time to get into it. In Romans, I think it's chapter 6 or chapter 7, um, there is this... And there's, just so you know, commentators are all over the place on this. There's this passage in scripture uh, that talks about, as Paul is writing, um, people are questioning whether or not it's actually Paul's experience. Is it an unbeliever? Is it a believer? But there's this, seems very confusing when you read it. It says, the good I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I end up doing. And uh, as you read it, it seems like a tongue twister um, and can be very, very confusing. I actually don't necessarily, first, I, and, and you may differ on this with me, that's fine. I actually do believe that's an experience of a believer, somebody that has accepted Christ, somebody that is walking with Christ. But I believe it's the experience of a believer who is trying to overcome the temptations in his or her life by relying on their sinful nature instead of relying on the spirit of God that lives inside of them. And I think there's a lot of believers today that are trying to walk in relationship with God and and temptation comes and desires come. and, And every single time we try to overcome those things through our own sinful nature. And every single time, folks, I can tell you right now, we are going to fall flat on our face. That's why we need to rely on the spirit of God. That's why in Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are living in Jesus Christ. The spirit of God lives inside of them. And so we, we can make the choice and it is a choice. We can make the, cho- the choice. Are we going to rely and walk in the spirit of God? Or are we gonna constantly rely on our sinful nature, and folks, it will let us down every single time. And so I want to encourage you, would challenge you. None of that was in the notes. That was free. That was extra um, this morning, or however you want to look at that. Almost done. Those who live by the Spirit reflect the Spirit of Christ, get this, in all areas of their life. The public areas and in the private areas, at home, and at work. If we are truly, truly living and relying on the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, and we are allowing that Spirit to guide our lives, that should affect every aspect. of our, it's, not just, it's not just allowing the Spirit to work in us on Sunday morning for two or three hours or on a Wednesday evening, or, or maybe in our devotion time, it is allowing the Spirit of God to work in us always. And that should affect every area of our life. Now go back to and remember, it's a process. It's ongoing. We're grateful for God's grace, but at the same time, there should continually be growth that happens and transformation that occurs. Those who live by the Spirit follow the Spirit's leading for their life.
So I want to ask this question in closing this morning. This is a question that each of us have to answer individually. But am I submitting to and partnering with the Spirit and bringing about transformation in my life? And let me explain by, by partnership. What I mean is, if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you, but are you submitting to? Are you allowing the Spirit to do a work in you? Because there are times that we, we can push away and ignore the work of the Spirit in us. And if we do that over and over and over again, that's a pretty dangerous place to be in. So, so we have to answer this question. Am I submitting to and partnering with the Spirit and bringing about transformation in my life so I can better reflect His character to a lost world? God chose to reach a lost world through the church, through His people people who have the Spirit of God living inside of them. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's not just about our nice little comfortable bubble. But we are to reflect the character of Christ in this lost world. They need to see Christ in us. And sometimes, folks, that may be, that may be the turning point for someone that's searching, someone that's on a journey, someone that's uncertain. And if they see something different in us as we reflect the character of Christ, who knows what God can do with that person's heart and that person's Life. Yvonne, if you want to come. Pastor John Ortberg wrote these words in a leadership journal. He said, significant human transformation always involves training, not just trying. Spiritual transformation is a long-term endeavor. It involves both God and us. I liken it to crossing an ocean. Some people try day after day to be good, to become spiritually mature. It's like taking a rowboat across the ocean. It's exhausting and usually unsuccessful. Others have given up trying and thrown themselves entirely on relying on God's grace. They're like drifters on a raft. They do nothing but hang on and hope God gets them there. Neither trying nor drifting are effective in bringing about spiritual transformation. A better image Pastor John Ortberg said is the sailboat, which if it moves at all, it's a gift of the wind. Can't control the wind, but a good sailor discerns where the wind is blowing and adjusts the sails accordingly. Working with the Holy Spirit, which Jesus likened to the wind in John chapter 3, means we have a part in discerning the winds, in knowing the direction we need to go and in training our sails to catch the breezes that God is providing. He said that is true transformation. And that transformation is the work of the Spirit of God that lives in us, in us allowing the Spirit of God to work, to mold us, to shape us, to allow the Spirit to begin to rid out those evil desires and those cravings that, that reflect the ways of the world, not the ways of Christ. And folks, let me, let me just encourage you with this. Sometimes, sometimes that's a daily thing. Maybe not sometimes, maybe all the time. It's a daily thing. Sinful nature is going to try to creep its way back in there. Satan, the work of the enemy, is going to try to persuade you otherwise. Folks, if we daily submit, if we daily surrender to the work of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, Spirit of God is a whole lot powerful 
the spirit of the enemy. The spirit of God is able to rid us, and maybe it is just for that day, but if we daily submit, he's able to rid us of those desires, those cravings, those longings, those passions that do not line up with his character. And as we do that, as we daily surrender and submit to his working, the Spirit of God is going to change us.